0: Filtered News. Real News. Welcome everyone to the Tori Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is February 26th, 2019. Uh, it has been pretty intense um, from yesterday's um, bill failing... Uh, to our president uh, being uh, in Vietnam, right? So he's in Hanoi. Let's keep in mind that he's been there officially as of now longer than Senator Blumenthal has ever been in Vietnam. <laughs> so that's um, pretty on point. Uh, from what I hear, The people there have embraced our president. It is a huge festivity. I was watching some local Vietnamese channel stream online. Um, You know, they're all really excited. Uh, Today, I want to talk about this bill, and I want to talk about some breaking news that Laura Loomer is uh, putting up on her site very soon that we uh, work together on. And as you know, we've been working on this for a while in regards to Ilhan Omar. And uh, then in the second half, we're going to have Raheem Williams, who is the policy director for uh, the Young Republicans here, to discuss red flag laws. And, um, you know, he's he's great uh, when it comes to speaking about this. So I thought, why not bring a guy who lives and breathes uh, the Second Amendment on uh, the TorySays.com page. You can find uh, the article You could just click the little search thing and type in red flag and it'll come up and you'll see uh, the main picture of that article is actually Raheem Williams and his wife and they look amazing. So let's start with this bill. So this bill went through, needed 60 votes, right? And the purpose of it was to ensure that if a child was a failed abortion, meaning a woman goes to a clinic at whatever stage of pregnancy she is because it wasn't clearly defined. She undergoes the procedure of abortion, but for some reason, the baby is born alive. The minute that infant takes a breath and is alive coming out of that womb, you would expect it to be a no-brainer, that that child is no longer my body, my choice, but an individual. And at that point, you provide it medical services. I mean, who would vote against that? Who would vote against providing medical attention and not killing an infant that is a failed abortion? The fact that the deranged mainstream media call this an anti-abortion bill that failed says it all. It's not an anti-abortion bill. It's an anti-infanticide bill, okay? We don't kill babies. These babies are not part of your body anymore. They're outside of your body. They're breathing. They're alive. They deserve the very same attention you do. But the Democrats said no. They said no. So every single clown that has thrown their hat in the presidential race, including independent slash communist Bernie Sanders, did not want this bill to go through, and it didn't. Bottom line is the Democrats are for and represent anything that has to do with anti-American values, racism, division, high taxes, insane climate change things. And by the way, I could sure use a little bit of global warming right here in these sub-zero temperatures for like, what, two months straight. And now they stand for infanticide. They stand by the fact that someone has the right to kill an infant, to kill a, 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 an innocent life that comes into this world as a choice. You know, and the minute I saw that, you know what came to me? And I'm surprised nobody else has made this connection. Who was it that went to jail and got a long time of jail time for doing just that? Do we remember back in 2013? Kermit Gosnell, right? There's a movie that Dean Cain starred in about him. He made a lot of money. He was out there in Pennsylvania, had his own abortion clinic. Fun fact, he actually delivered Will Smith before he had his abortion baby-killing clinic. Right? He's done... At least, you know, he's done millions of abortions, killed millions of lives. Um, He's actually um, contributed to deaths of women that came for abortions. And not only that, he killed babies that were failed abortions with scissors. He would stab them and watch them squirm. There was testimony at his hearing by a nurse that clearly said That she heard the baby cry. Let me read this out to you. It's from uh, Life News when they reported it back in 2013. The defense attorney for embattled abortion practitioner Kermit Gosnell has a claim for the jury that is weighing the multiple counts of murder against him for several life, live birth abortions, live birth abortions, meaning they were born and then he aborted them, meaning they were born and he murdered them. This is exactly what the Democrats approved of yesterday. Jack McMahon claims no babies were ever killed in the gruesome abortion process, which involved snipping the spinal cords of children by jabbing medical scissors into the backs of their necks because the babies were supposedly already dead. That's not what two staffers for Gosnell admitted in court, with one saying she heard a baby scream and another saying the baby jumped when the newborn was stabbed in the neck with scissors. This is the face of the DNC. From now on, when you think Democratic Party, you remember Gosnell. That's who you need to put. Kermit's face all over it because that's them. This is what they represent. And you know what? I'm game. I'm glad That it didn't go through. Do you know why? Because now my president can issue an executive order. And on cue, the Democrats will challenge it. They will file a case, which then will be appealed. And then it'll go to the Supreme Court. And you can't have a case about what? Aborting babies without revisiting Roe versus Wade. This is going to be the opportunity we've been waiting for to overturn that disgusting law that taints the history of our nation. I am more than happy. But all of us should be on the same page when we see Democrats celebrating that they blocked an anti-abortion bill because nowhere does anti-abortion or abortion mean not providing medical assistance or care to a living being. Is that what we're going to call it now? When someone sick turns up to the hospital, we're going to say, well, you know... Uh, that's kind of anti, you know, uh, we're, you know, pro abortion, pro choice. So we're not going to help you and provide you medical attention because we can, this is what is going on. Oh my gosh. Like reading the articles in the comments makes me sick. Every single person I saw on my Facebook that was a friend or, uh, you know, just happened to be on my feed. I would be like, you're disgusting. You support the death of babies because this is exactly it. This bill was supposed to protect the life of infants. That is all that was in it. If the baby is born and it's alive. You are not going to kill it. You are not going to throw it in the trash. You are not going to park it outside or put it in a, in, in, in a box and let it die. You are going to give it medical assistance because it is a life and it has been born and it has drawn a breath. I don't care if it was supposed to be an abortion. It didn't happen. Now treat it like a human being. Yet the Democrats decided that that is not the way to go. So from now on. You know, everyone should think of Kermit as Now. And by the way, in the article, which is on Torysays.com, which is titled, Kermit Now is the poster boy for the DNC right now, there's a link. If you haven't watched that movie, you can watch it. There's a link there at the bottom where I've put the trailer of the movie. It was just released. You can rent it, you know, online, stream it, watch it. Um, I think it's through Amazon and other apps. There's tons of them. This is beside me. I mean, I don't even know how there is an actual human being with one shred of intelligence. Even if the IQ is the size of a shoe size, it's still a, a numbered IQ, right? Even if it's a single digit, how you can even stand by a party that stands for, su- for things that are morally corrupt. How do you support an elected member of your Congress or your Senate that has no moral compass. They have no moral compass. What makes you think they're working in your best interest when they're okay with a baby coming out of another human being's body and being stabbed, killed, thrown in the trash or put to the side to die? Because it should have died in uh, utero. So since it's out of utero, let's continue that. This is inhumane. This is this is pure evil. I am so up in arms that at the crack of dawn, I was sitting there writing up this article and I was fuming. Yesterday, I was so upset, so disgusted. And seeing things like political and other crazy, insane mainstream media calling it anti-abortion bill. No, it was anti-infanticide bill, not anti-abortion, anti-infanticide. And you know what? Where are all you at calling people conspiracy theorists when they tell you, oh, oh, it's okay. 22 weeks is okay. It's okay. Up to the minute she gives birth, it's okay if it comes out and then we kill it. It's okay. Like, where does it stop? So are we going to be killing children if they're too much, terrible, too, too much, the mother can choose? Are we going to extend that time of my body, my choice to what, five? Someone has a child and says, you know, I don't want it anymore. I just want to kill it. What about the elderly? Oh, uh, you know, you're really sick and you're costing us a lot of money. I think it's time to put you down. You think that's far-fetched? It's already happening in Europe. They're calling it euthanasia. Oh, you'll say that's elective. Well, what about in England where a child was eligible for a treatment to save their life, but the United Kingdom decided fiscally it didn't make sense to send that child to the other country and get this treatment. But if the child didn't get this treatment, they would die, thus giving the child a death sentence. And guess what? Nobody cares. Socialized medicine. We decide for you. We tell you what you're allowed to have as access, what medications, and if you can see a doctor or not, or if it's worth the time. Oh, are you 75? Oh, and you have cancer. Yeah. You know, it's going to be a lot cheaper for the country if you don't do chemotherapy and you don't have radiation therapy and you don't have surgery. So we'll just put you, you know, in hospice. You'll be great. You'll be comfortable. We'll give you pain meds and that's it. This is where they're going. This is the party where they're going. This is where it is. I mean, even Ocasio in her crazy insane video where she couldn't even chop sweet potatoes correctly. Like who uses the tip of a knife? to cut a a spot, especially a sweet potato that is tougher. Regardless, so obviously she has no clue about what she's doing. She sat there and inferred of, yeah, maybe you shouldn't have kids. They're expensive. Or, yeah, let's fix it first and then we'll decide. So these people are completely insane. Anyone that identifies with the left right now, I don't even want to look at them. I see Bible thumpers. Oh, I struggle with President Trump. You know, I really struggle. Well, okay, forget President Trump. Killing babies, not killing babies. Well, as a Christian, as a Christian, what? Do you think your God, even as a Jew, you think your God would be like, yeah, let's just kill babies. I mean, it's inconvenient right now to have this baby. She spread her legs and didn't want to have a baby. Her contraceptive failed. She didn't want to have a baby. Didn't even bother about contraceptive. Didn't want to have a baby. But now it's come out. It's taken a breath. We have the right to kill it because it's her choice. No, this is not my America. This is, this can't be our reality. This, it can't. I'm pretty sure that in the dark ages, they were nicer to babies. Whores on the side of the street in London that were giving birth to babies, they didn't chuck them out in the garbage. They didn't kill them or strangle them. They probably would string them up and hang them if they killed their own baby. Here, there's no question. We should do it in a medical setting too because we shouldn't tell Abortionists or gynecologists how to deal with their reproductive issues. So now a baby, a breathing human being coming out of you, is a reproductive issue. People are insane. This is pure insanity. You know, Samantha B was uh, talking about um, abortions and how she could have them, and she's had a few. And I was thinking, you know, I really hope you know, throughout all these abortions that, you know, maybe they sterilized you so you don't have to do it again. Maybe we should give that as an option. If someone decides to have an elective abortion because they don't like it, you know, don't make it completely illegal. If they say, I need, I want an elective abortion because it's inconvenient, Give it to them, but make sure you sterilize them, so there's no choice after that. You make your choice you can't have it both ways, guys. we can't have people killing children right now at this rate, we have an infertility epidemic. People cannot have babies. people are not having babies. Women are so dumb that they're so focused on their career that they turn uh, they, they they lift their head and they're forty and their ovaries are shrinking. And suddenly, it's like, oh, I'd really like a baby. And it's like, you're 40. By the time that kid reaches 20, you'll be 60. And you'll be on Medicare by the time they're finishing up college. You won't get to enjoy grandkids or anything like that. You know, it's everybody's choice. Your choice to do it. Your choice. Do you want kids? Do you not want kids? That's totally fine. I'm game. I'm game. But don't. Don't sit there and say that we don't have an infertility epidemic because we were trained as such. I was trained as such. All my friends are having babies 40, 45. That's fine. To be honest with you, I probably wouldn't have children if it didn't happen by accident because I was conditioned during my decade that children can be had later. See, it's no big deal. You can, with medicine, you can have babies post 35, post 40, which is true. There's women that can get pregnant at 50. I mean, look at, you know, what's her face? Um, come on. She just married Blake Shelton or, or not married him. Uh, Gwen Stefani. She's like 100 and she's having babies. So it's like, you know, these people, we can have babies later, but it's the priorities. It's how we were conditioned. Like I said, if I didn't accidentally become pregnant with my daughter, I probably would not have kids today. A hundred percent would not. Because she, her her appearance made me see the value in having children. If I didn't have her, I probably would be childless right now as we speak. Because this is how I was conditioned. From school, from society, and you know, because I was a picky person. Just saying. If I hadn't had my child, I probably would not have had more. And I probably would not be married. I would be totally single and loving it. That's it. Bottom line, because this is how I was conditioned. Kids of the 80s and the 90s have been conditioned to consider marriage the last leg of your life. This is what society has done. And thus making us pickier, making us uh, hold people to other standards, etc. And it's very confusing for people in my age group, which are, you know, 35 to 45, that have been raised with those notions. But come on, man. Killing babies... Who gets conditioned for that? Like who would go for that? How can Kamala Harris sit there and say, well, it was an anti-abortion bill. Kristen Gillibrand, seriously, Cory Booker, Mr. I want everyone to go vegan. If If it was meant to be that we were only vegan, we would not have incisors and, you know, carnivorous teeth. We would only have molars because we have to chew on plants. You know, I am so fed up with this whole thing. The, the, the extremism, the manufactured hoaxes, the racism, the advocating, the killing cute little innocent babies. This is evil and disgusting. And you know what? It comes right at the time that we've defunded part of Planned Parenthood, which means the DNC has almost zero dollars. And, you know, to cover herself, Senator Warren not raising any money. He's like, oh, I prefer that I'm not going to get money from big donors. Why? Small ones want to give it to you. Nobody wants to donate anything to you. Fake a haunt this. Nobody wants to pay for her. Nobody wants to pay, uh, give money to Kamala. No one wants to give it to crazy Cory Booker, who looks like he sucks two thumbs at once. Right? Doesn't he? He does. And then nobody wants, I mean, the only people that are insane... To Stump for Bernie are the insane, 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 insane liberals that have debt, that believe that society owes them, and unfortunately, it's a big chunk of them, too. They don't want to work. They have no aspirations. They have no degrees. That's the way it is. It's pretty incredible, like, what it is. Oh, I'm so upset. Just seeing the comments that they have, seeing how they move it. It is just incredible. And then Pelosi sitting there, you know, talking. I mean, guys, if you take a step back, like, let's pretend that there were really aliens, right? Let's just pretend. And let's pretend we're the aliens and we're looking at us, okay? How insane do we look? How insane do we look? We look crazy. We look completely crazy, just Pretend that you're from another planet and you're looking at this specific situation that they're literally debating about killing living beings of their own. Aside from the other BS we do, just picture it. How would you feel about that kind of civilization? You'd freak out. It's kind of the way you feel when, you know, the indigenous people eat their dead, right? You're just like, ew, that's disgusting. For them, it's not kind of like the Democrats, it's not discussing that they kill children. It's not discussing, you know, that they want to enslave you. It's not discussing, disgusting, not disgusting, disgusting, that they want to annihilate us fiscally and take all our tax money. To them it makes sense. So think of it that way. They're like the cannibals and we're like the ones watching them eating their dead or the person they killed to eat and we're just like... Uh, And they're just like, what's wrong? Have a taste. And you're just like, no, thank you. This is exactly the same thing. This is how I see them. Like the cannibals. That's what they do. They're giving you the most extreme side of them. How can this party even succeed? There is no way. I mean, I don't care how crunchy you are, how you have rape whistles, thinking that someone's going to come rape you when you're 350 pounds. I don't care. The bottom line is... You have to have some shred of morality in you to say this is wrong. If a baby breathes, if a baby cries, if it pinks up and it's outside of you, has every right to live, give it to someone that will love it since you don't want it. That's how it should be. The fact that this bill did not pass tells you everything you need to know about how sick and demented this party is. And what they stand for. But it is also a blessing in disguise. Because I I expect that my president will issue an executive order making infanticide illegal. And you know the Democrats are going to challenge it. And that is exactly what we need. We want them to challenge it. We want them to take it to court. So that way it can go to Supreme Court because you cannot examine a case on infanticide, which is a failed abortion without reopening Roe versus Wade. And this is where we have it. So their fear of Roe versus Wade being revisited is going to be done by their hands. God bless and thank God. From this evil portrayal, to seeing their true face so nefarious, so dismissive of the, of the miracle of life. Because your very existence is a one in trillion chance that that version of you exists that happened on a, a, an insanely microscopic level. That if it was one split second off, one one hundredth of a second off, you would have been someone different or not even exist. So to dismiss a miracle like that without even blinking twice and smiling about it says a lot about your character, says a lot about your moral compass. And it tells us just how, oh, just in what kind of state our country is to have individuals that thrive here that subscribe to that ideology that approve of such actions personally, it makes me sick and I hope it makes every single one of you sick. I don't care if you don't want children. I don't care if you have had an abortion abor- before. It doesn't matter. This is a thing about humanity. A child takes a breath and it's alive, but you stab it with scissors because it should have been dead. Is that even correct? Is it that not a miracle in itself? Not only the fact that it was created, but that it survived its demise? Hmm. I'll see you all shortly in a few, and we'll talk about Ilhan Omar.
3: 1800 707 1219
0: Hey, this is Leonora Crivello from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My pillow is now- Now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's 1-800-961-9194, promo code REDSTATE. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit... My
1: Bill.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Sess Show. I'm your host, Tory. Remember, for current news very deep dive investigative pieces and sometimes just piecey pieces stuff kind of like that article of pulling over that guy with 30 penises in his trunk feel free to go to dot com to find the latest i also have some great journalists uh that just publish things on there obviously you all know that i collaborate with a lot of journalists uh nationwide uh to bring the news it's never about who does it first it's about doing it right um And I'd like to say I received tons of DMs and messages throughout the break of many of you agreeing. It is very... it's, it's, it's a shame that there are human beings in, in the year of 2019 even remotely considering it to be okay or saying, oh, that's not the way it is when they never read the bill like I see it. Bible thumpers, Jews, whatever religion you subscribe to, how could you be okay with killing an innocent life that didn't even ask to come here but arrived? It's, it's, it's just unacceptable to me now as you all know um I've been helping Laura with her investigations into Ilhan Omar. Obviously more so because it's so proximal to me regionally, right? Because I currently reside in uh, uh, the Midwest. Obviously when I get angry, as a lot of you noticed, my New York comes out, my accent comes out, um, even though I've been conditioned as a linguist to have a very flat one. But I do live in the Midwest. I live in the middle of nowhere in North Dakota. I'm currently uh, hoping that one day I will land myself in Montana, Maybe smoking cigars right by ben garrison who tweets out so many awesome montana views i'm kind of jealous so what i was telling you is that there's some breaking news uh you guys you know uh a couple uh, about a week ago uh laura loomer um Published for both of us on Big League Politics, the article about exposing the fact that Ilhan Omar did indeed go to college at North Dakota State University. I sent those emails out to the university asking questions, probing uh, to get to the bottom of a few things. Now she published this article. I just tweeted it out. I'll put it on the Facebook. Tory says page two. Um, so, you know, during uh, Omar's campaign, there was like a huge debate that she married her brother for the purposes of committing immigration fraud. Now, the more you look into this, the more questions arise. I mean, there's a lot of evidence out there, you know, marriage licenses, timing, names, it's just all. But the more you look into it, the more questions come up. And, uh, you know, the, the North Dakota State University actually has probably everything we need and they refuse to release it. And you would think that universities that get federal funds are mandatory reporters. So if they assume that there may be a possibility that there is immigration fraud, that there is student loan fraud, that there is something fraudulent by a student, you know, in, you know, at their university and it is brought to their attention. Aren't they obliged to Report it, or at least mention it to the authorities that 's a good question right so as we know um, she mar- she was legally married to two people at the same time. she says one was cultural and the other one was actual, but she was she 's a bigamist at some point now, and the documents that we receive from North Dakota State University only suggest that she admi- she may have committed. Um, student loan fraud through her marriage with Elmi, who's believed to be her brother. Now, we, we have the marriage certificate. The one from 2009 says that um, Omar married a man, a man by the name of Ahmed Noor Said Elmi uh, that was in Hennepin County in Minnesota and who herself has identified as a British citizen. On another application from 2002, Omar applied for a marriage license in Minnesota to marry the father of her first children, so uh, who is known as Ahmed Hirsi, or otherwise known as Ahmed Aden or Ahmedan, which is the way they put it together. As both marriage license application filled out by Omar shows, both the legal husband and the cultural husband have the same first name, Ahmed. And here's the kicker. On the Facebook page of the student at NDSU who's supposedly her legal husband, the name on there was Ahmedan Elmi, which is what... Ahmed Adan together make Ahmed Aden is Ahmed Adan. So this is like super fraud. Is it the same person going by different names, thus, you know, creating two different identities or is it what we believe it is? And I can't say that because it's currently under investigation and myself and Laura Loomer have reached out to USCIS and ICE two weeks ago initiating that process. So at the time of her marriage to Elmi, Omar was said to have uh, been attending North Dakota State University. Um, Now, keep in mind, at the time when she went to university, she already had two children. uh, One of, you know, borderline school age, the other one super young. And according to the documents that were provided to us by um, NDSU, uh, she attended school uh, from the fall of... um, 2009 until summer of 2011 and you know obviously because she finished in the summer she got her degree mailed to her or maybe she had a ceremony in December of uh, 2012 but she had stopped attending summer of 2011 here's the kicker Elmy, her alleged husband that was at NDSU too started school a year later in the fall of 2010 and his last attending semester was 2012 but here's the thing um what Omar has said in previous statements to Fox 9 News, she specifically said in her own words, insinuation that Ahmed Noor said Elmi is my brother are absurd and offensive. That's what she said, right? She also said that, um, Elmi, um, divorced in their faith tradition in 2011 and he moved back to England immediately after. So they divorced in 2011, which mind you, she had a baby in 2012. So while she was pregnant, and he left for England, but how could he do that? If apparently at NDSU, he was still a student up until the end of spring semester, 2012. So in that statement, uh, uh, in 2016, you know, she said she divorced Elmy in 2011 and then he moved back to England, but yet he was a student in NDSU apart from his wife for a whole year. So was he in Minnesota in Fargo? That is. And she was in Minnesota. Like what happened? And it had to be that she was in Minnesota because according to her self-reported records between 2011, and 2013, she was... Uh, she was working in Minnesota. So that means she was in Minnesota working. He was in England, but he was also at the university, uh, North Dakota state university. This is really, really fishy. And that's an even better question. You know, why didn't anyone from the media in Minnesota and and Laura puts this in her article, why didn't they ask NDSU for any of this information to confirm? None of them did because nobody would say anything. And it isn't the only thing she lied about. Remember, Omar, uh, remember I had played that video where she said that her professor of terrorism, which is that guy, Ambrose, Ambrosio, Thomas, Dr. Thomas Ambrosios, um, he's over at NDSU. He was her professor. She said that, oh, I can't tell you his name. You know, you might, he goes on CNN and stuff. Uh, he actually sent me an email and said he's never been a commentator on cnn so she lied about something simple as that now laura continues to write in her article that the ndsu official um who wishes to remain anonymous said that Elmi came to the united states with a foreign student visa now if he came to the united states with a foreign student visa how is he already on a marriage certificate from 2009 with ilhan omar you know and she doesn't want to go on the record or he doesn't want to go on the record you know just to ensure that they don't get fired so it's pretty incredible right that she's a US citizen now refugee right with two children she's married to some dude that came into the country 2 years a year later cuz he came in the fall of 2010 so they were married february 29 so that's one year, February 2010. So he came to the university fall of 2010 as a foreign visa student. That sounds fishy. Did she live on campus, graduate school housing? Was she in family housing? You know, because the graduate slash family housing where they allow children. I remember when I was in graduate school, <coughs> the College of Medicine <coughs> had sp- special housing because I had children when I went to school. So uh, it's pretty interesting, right? So it goes really, really crazy because the, the, now NDSU is citing FERPA laws. And the thing is, does FERPA extend to elected members of Congress? And if so, um, if you are brought, if it's brought to your attention, all this information, because remember, I emailed NDSU. I told them my concerns. I sent them copies of the marriage certificates and everything. I asked them for this information and they would not provide further. So the fact that the university is, um, you know, refusing to release any records or clear things up is most likely to prove that there must have been immigration fraud, student loan fraud, you know, scholarship fraud. This is incredible. I mean, no one is doing anything. Why is she so protected? What's going on, right? We've got a woman in Congress who's tied with Hamas, because care is Hamas, raising money for this ISIS bride, Mathuna, that shouldn't even be even dreaming of coming into this country. And what people don't see is like all of these ISIS brides, all of them at once decide we're all going back to our country. Sounds like a concerted effort for infiltration because I've said it before and I'll say it again. It only took one hijacker. It only takes one suicide bomber to blow up the train, blow up the car, blow up the building, blow up the bus. One, one driver to run over people, one knife attack, one gun shooter. Just, takes one. Why would you bring her? Why? And why would a sitting member of in our Congress raise money for them? I feel like I'm in the twilight zone sometimes. It's like I say these things and I'm like, I can't believe I'm reading this. I can't believe I'm saying this. And like I said later, we're going to be talking about red flag laws. Now, you guys know when my guests come, I want them to talk, right? So I'll just be kind of in the background and asking my questions because I'd love to pick Raheem's brain. Um, but, you know, even that. So, you know, in my article, those of you that have read it already, and it's it's made its rounds – I also introduce you guys to this blog that I love. It's called The Minute Man. Oh, my gosh. I know it's very regional, but the writing there is impeccable, and I totally love the way it's put together. But think about it. This is is showing us exactly what the point is. They want to take away any right we have in general. I mean, we're seeing it from all sides. You can't speak or else we'll cut you off. I mean – Let me, let me, let me, let me stay on that for a second. Do you guys know, obviously everybody's heard that Laura Loomer has been banned from like Uber, Uber Eats, Lyft, Airbnb, and PayPal bander, Twitter bander. Well, guess what? Teespring, where, you know, she sold her t-shirts, banned her. They said, I'm sorry, you can't sell your t-shirts anymore through a platform. And I saw an email they sent her saying that PayPal said that if we're doing business with people, they don't do business. We can't do business with you. Guys, this is like Gestapo stuff, right? Totally Gestapo stuff. And, you know, everything that's happening is kind of Gestapo-ish, right? We've got... Companies coming down telling you, I don't want to do business with you because, you know, I don't like your face or what you say. And it's like, oh, this is America. You can't say that. I could have pink hair. You still have to service me. Well, actually, no. You know, we force bakers to bake, you know, cakes for gay people if they don't want to. But then we can't force PayPal to say you can't discriminate if someone is trying to take out radical Islamic terrorists or, you know, is vocal about it. Seriously? Or you don't like what Alex Jones says, so you're just going to shut him up and shut him out? You know? Or you don't like Gab when we're not banking with you? Like, seriously? Is this really happening? This is pure discrimination. And these red flag laws, top of the list of making discrimination even legal. Because if the cop doesn't like you, or if your friend doesn't like you, Or you're on Twitter and you get 50 bot accounts or even Facebook of these trolls, you know, that live, you know, in like their little places and they sit on lawn chairs and they, you know, wipe Dorito dust on their hands after they've dished their social justice, right? Those ones. They all come on and they attack you. And based on what they're saying, they'll take that one person has to see it. One police officer has to see it. One person has to see it to give it to the police. And suddenly you're not allowed to have guns, Your ex-wife is angry that you have a new girlfriend. Whoop, he was violent once. Yep, there goes your guns. You want to go hunting? Mm, Maybe in your dreams. Maybe you can watch. Every single day, we're watching more liberties get pulled. And I am so grateful for Don Jr. for speaking up. He wrote that op-ed of, hey, if they're doing it to me, guess what they can do to you. And now, you know... um, was it who was it that was just banned from facebook no notice no nothing his account was completely removed from facebook and you know don jr was like oh maybe it was a mistake like mine you know they make mistakes this is incredible they're silencing we need we need to fight back i mean everyone's sitting there being so you know so um i would say pc about it it was uh rahim kasam um, You know, Don Jr. told him that I'm sure it was an accident. Like I've been hearing from social media masters. Funny that the accidents only happen one way. And that one way is conservatives. You know, and to a lot of people, you know, that are on Twitter and just get on there and troll and retweet and do these trains and things, right? To a lot of people, it could be devastating that they don't have their AI profile anymore to work with. And like I said, and I'll say it again. Maybe this weekend I can even put an appeal out. The president should move to Gab. The president should move to Gab, and everyone will leave Twitter. And when they're broke and they have no money, and maybe Gab buys them (laughs) because Gab is going to have all the money or all the people, then maybe people will wise up because for some reason everybody keeps thinking they're powerless. We're the consumer, we're the people. We're over 65 million strong that voted for our president. We, you sure are loud. You sure are in power. So why are you so meek? Talk. Be loud. Take a chance. Be in their face. I mean, I'm a person that likes to light fires. I'm going to be honest with you on that one. But it's not just about lighting fires. It's lighting, it's lighting the right ones. You don't just throw gas on anything. This is something where everybody can take a stand. Everybody can have a voice, but everyone looks out for their own skin. There's no cooperation. It's like, oh, I don't want to tweet that because I might get banned. Yeah, I shouldn't say that because I might get banned. Speaking from experience, I've been there three times. And the thing is, it happens because they, the only time they'll silence you is when you're making a difference. And sometimes if you're making too big of a difference, but you're confirmed and they can't really find something to pin you on, they'll let you live, right? But the bottom line is if we all get together and we're all loud together and we all work together, then, you know, you win. That's how you win. I love seeing all these patriots at, you know, President Trump's rallies. It, it shows that form of unity. But where's the unity when it comes to joining? Because, see, the crazy liberals, okay, they get paid to go and do these, you know, attacks and marches and all, wear these pink, you know, you know, hoo-ha hats or whatever. Why aren't the conservatives as organized, because we can't be bothered we have jobs you know we can't just leave our jobs yeah but we can all speak in unison you know um laura loomer tried to get people for 48 hours to get off of social media and you guys are so addicted nobody got off i didn't i was just on gab and if there was any tweet during that time it came from gab i was trying to turn that service off but i think it's like on a delay of like 24 hours or something so we're not coordinated because People that are conservative supposedly are not really taking it seriously. And I'm sorry, you know, it might hurt a lot of people's feelings, but you can't say you're fighting for something if you're not really doing something to fight for it. You know, retweeting people and doing trains isn't how you fight for it. The reason you retweet something is because you're like, hey, I find this interesting and people that follow me should see it. It's interesting. It's not so people get followers. Nobody cares. I don't care if I have one follower, right? I'm there speaking because I want to speak. That is a whole reason for social media. It's not who's looking at me. The people that are following you don't give you your self-worth. Your own self does. So like I said, I could have three followers and I'll be like, you know what, whatever. Because I've dealt with it. I've started from zero a few times. So the thing is, we don't need to focus on that. We need to focus on the message and congesting it in those social media platforms. We need to congest it. We need to be sharing content. So that a lot of people see it, not to see you, not to see a picture, not to be like, congrats on getting so many. Nobody cares how many followers you have. Nobody does. Is your message good? Is it concise? Is it perfect? That is the goal and should be the goal of every conservative. And for that matter, and this is why I like to bring special guests that have a lot to say in their own domain. They don't have to be super famous. Um, Just be there and speak the truth. So right after this break, I'm bringing Raheem Williams, like I said. Um, His uh, profile is on the article that I wrote. Please take a look at it. I put um, a few links to other readings that I found great where it pretty much states that people that would support any red flag bill are pretty much doing what? Forfeiting their right to bear arms forfeiting their right to due process because like that, uh, reporter Chris Berg said on those clips that I've inserted in the article is but ex parte mean no say because the policeman said, yeah, we'd come to your house and we'd electronically ask the judge to sign a warrant and we'd come in and take all the guns. And then in 14 days, uh, you'd go before the court and then, uh, you'd make your case. Uh, but the burden of proof at that point is the police. Um, it's kind of like those FISA warrants where the police just talk on their end and the judge has to make a decision. So you just appear, you don't do anything. You don't really defend yourself. The police talk. And then a year later, you have a, a year later, you come back to court and you have to prove by going to psychologist, therapist, or whatever. So in a, in a sense, by going to psychologist or therapist, you're admitting you had a problem. So it wasn't just like, oh, me and my buddy had a few beers and we just had a bar fight. It's suddenly, I went to therapy. I have to go to Alcoholic Anonymous. I did all this stuff. Now can I have my guns back? And they tell you, no, it's kind of like CPS when they take your kids, right? So many people have been in this. They're so dumb. They let CPS in who have no authority whatsoever. They Take their kids, and they're like, "Whatever, I'll just do whatever." You want me to do parenting classes? I'll do. It. You want me to do this class? I'll do it. And so all these parents take time off work. They go and they do this, and they are like, "Okay, let me just sign it, comply, come and check my house, do this." They bend over backwards, and they still never see their kids again, because this is what it is. It's like the CPS system for guns. Instead, they take your guns, and obviously, they need a warrant for that. CPS doesn't. They just need your permission. I mean, they can have a warrant too if they really have a complaint, but. It's the same thing. This is CPS for guns. They take them away from you, and then you have to go and prove that you're worthy to take it. And because it's the state bringing it against you and the state speaking only, you know, you don't get a say in your first instance. You have no say whatsoever. The cop says, I'm coming in. I'm taking it all. I'm taking everything from the house. Any gun that's here, any weapon, anything is coming with me. And a year later, at your expense, you will prove to us that you are worthy to have this. Same thing like with CPS. This is CPS for for guns. It's pretty incredible. Guys, I can't believe I'm talking about this in 2019. I really can't. We're talking about getting disarmed. We're talking about the attack on first speech. And remember, our our free speech, our First Amendment is first for a reason. But our Second Amendment is to protect our First Amendment. And they're attacking both right now. They're attacking both. And who's attacking it? A party that is morally bankrupt. They have nothing. They stand for death, murder, corruption, racketeering, drug trafficking, child trafficking, human trafficking, pornography, child pornography, now infanticide. They're the ones attacking us. And all we're doing is sitting there retweeting things. We really need to get busy, guys. We need to be filing things. I mean, I file things all the time. And I'm not saying that you can go online. You could go to the Department of Justice. You can email your senator and congressperson, have a template, and send them the email every single day. Just do something because you need to be heard. We need to be heard and tell them, you know what? Enough is enough. You guys are all morally corrupt. We don't even want to look at you. I don't even want to hear you. Don't look at me. You're trying to shut me up. You're trying to take my guns. Now you want me to be okay with killing babies. It's not going to happen. Imagine as citizens how we feel, right? It's crazy. You're just like, this is this is a twilight zone. I must be in an alternative reality. Maybe I fell into that new show counterpart where they have like this, uh, you know, alternate universe that you go underground and it's actually played out in Germany really weird. But anyway, yeah, I'm in another reality. That's how I feel. Imagine how our president feels, who, by the way, right now is in Vietnam, supposedly dealing with North Korea. And let me tell you something. If any of you think that he just flew halfway across the world to discuss things with Kim, you're dumb. The deal's already been done. They're just there for the ribbon cutting ceremony, the pictures, because the work has been done. It's kind of like the wall. Oh, we need a wall. But he was building the wall. Oh, you know, Mueller, we need to get the report. But in the meantime, Whitaker was what? Cracking down. How'd you get this information? Who gave it to you? Arresting IRS agents and other, you know, government officials that have been providing information to Mueller without due process. So I'll see you guys all in a few. After this break, we'll have Raheem Williams and we'll talk just red flag laws. real news. Welcome everyone to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host Tori. Remember you can always follow me on Twitter and Gab at Tori underscore says um, or find the Tori Says page on Facebook. I don't really use it a lot. Uh, you know Facebook silences a lot of people. They never they hide a lot of my content anyway. Um, and Tory says.com and always Monday through Friday, 12 to 2 Eastern Time on Red State Talk Radio. And like I said um, two weeks ago when I was talking about red flag laws and last week that I was going to bring someone on, I thought the best person to bring on to this show is a guy that I've seen speak in my state, Raheem Williams. Uh, He's actually the policy director for North Dakota Young Republicans. He's... um, He's, an, he's a really active member, you know, and it's hard to find young conservatives that are active, right, in their community. Um, you know, he's an economist. His B.A. is in economics from uh, Florida, International University. He's got an M.A. in financial economics from uh, U of Detroit. And, um, you know, he writes a lot about things about preserving American values. And, uh, like I said, the, 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 the picture we had, um, promoting him was that of him and his wife. Um, so, uh, with no further ado, as we all know, I love to bring my guests and talk. We have Raheem Williams on the line. Raheem, welcome to the Tory says show. We're really excited um, to hear from you, uh, to talk about these, uh, red flag laws.
4: Uh, thank you for having me on, Tori. Uh, it's, it's an absolute honor to be here. And this is a serious, serious issue that a lot of people aren't paying enough attention to. And even my uh, gun rights folks, they, they they really have to get active in their states at stopping this because it's spreading like a wildfire. So first, let me go into what the issue is. The issue here is uh, somewhat, there's two major issues. A, you have your second amendment issue here where where we've seen this uh, I guess you could say for decades now, which is a, a purposeful attempt to ch- to chip away at our Second Amendment rights, our right to protect ourselves, our and our and our right to basically uh, push back against tyrannical governance. Those those there are a lot of people who just don't believe it should exist. They they want to get rid of it, but they understand that the constitutional amendment process is just too difficult. They they don't see a actual. Way to get a constitutional amendment passed and ratified, especially with these pesky, annoying red states, which is how they view us getting in the way of of, of such an attempt. So they're like, "That's not going to work." So they have they have a a, a strategy of incrementalism, which is they want to chip away at gun ownership a little bit, little by little, every single day. They they're aware that a swoop of like. Just banning guns isn't going to fly. It won't pass constitutional muster, and they they are also aware that if you do that, there could be somewhat of a backlash, revolt. So they, they want it. They want to incrementally chip away at it, and they want to do this under the guise of somewhat of uh, paternalism. Like they want to say, "Well, we're doing this to save you and protect you." So one of the things about the Constitution, one of the most um, one of the most powerful clauses in it is the due process clause, and it appears in the fifth and 14th amendment so it's the only clause that appears twice in the constitution that's how clear like the the original the bill of rights they were like okay we wrote it they should get it they should get it and what it states is no one shall be deprived of life liberty and property without due process of the law so that means due process of the law in the sentence inherently has to come first before you deprive people of life liberty and property that's inherent in it. And right. So they're like, yeah. so, so the the real weird thing about this is, you have judges and politicians that 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 are that how do you say this um, feel somewhat of a political pressure, or maybe even in a more degraded sense, a a moral calling to ignore that, and and they have, they have, they've done that, they've done that um on several occasions, but the thing that's most alarming about this is, it also comes to the second part is our Second Amendment rights. It's like, so this isn't just like somebody coming in and saying, well, we don't want you to have TVs or, or we want to tax your your, your um, homes or we want to take your car away from you. They're, they're actually using it to subvert, ignoring uh, due process in and in a, to subvert another right, uh, which is the Second Amendment. So you have two, arguably three, constitutional violations going on, which is a violation of the Second Amendment fifth amendment and the 14th amendment and it's all being done in the name of uh safety and paternalism so with that being said let's look a little harder at the arguments in which the uh the the people who advocate for these laws come come at us well their... rahim
0: what you're saying is is that what we've been saying on my show on other things which is uh they make these subtle, small changes over time to yield this result. Uh, you know, in the name of public safety, um, they're requesting people to literally forfeit these rights because they know better. Am I getting that? Because that's how I feel. I'm, I'm reading it when they're talking. Oh, um, You know, that they know best and we should bow down and the government knows what's best for us and they should make decisions. I mean, that's you know, when I saw that interview back in January on um, the Fox affiliate um, Valley News uh, with um, Chris Berg and the police chief of Fargo where they were talking, it felt as if they were like, just trust us. And it's like. But with everything we've seen with the FBI, the CIA and, you know, in our state, the corrupt police, you know, with actions because they're only human, too. So they commit crimes. We're just supposed to blind trust. I mean, am, 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 am I on it? Am I not? I mean, that's what they're pushing for. These judges and these police officers are saying just trust us. Right. So
4: that's that's a big part of it. And here's here's some of the issues I have with that. And, and I don't want to come off as, you know, um, how do you say this? conspiratorial. I don't want to be like, oh, well, they're, they're all out to get you or whatnot. I, I honestly believe that some people are foolish enough in their head to believe that this helps. I do believe there's a little bit of a naivety there that we should give them a little credit for. Like they, they believe they're doing the right thing and that kind of moral pompousness is what is a, what, what kind of drives them and to to an extent some of these lawmakers have like an outright god complex and it's, it's disturbing but nonetheless i i'm looking at like i one of the things you have to do is how do you say this they they argue that this will prevent mass shootings um that's there's zero empirical evidence to support that that i've come across in the in the academic literature i am an empirical empiricist first and foremost. So I, I've, I've yet to see it. It may exist and somebody could be more than willing. i uh, I appreciate it if they can bring it to my attention, but I have not come across it to date. Um, and secondly, then there's the, there is some academic literature in which they say it reduces suicide. So this is on the Giffords law center, uh, which was started by a Congress, former Congresswoman Gabrielle Giffords, who was, who was shot in Arizona at a town hall. So she's a huge gun controller, this whole lot. She's a part of the gun control lobby, pretty big in this area. And what they what they point out on their website is a 2016 study demonstrated that in Connecticut for every 10 to 20 guns seized, one suicide was prevented. And now they look at this as a great thing. They're like that. Look, we're saving lives. And I'm like, there's a, there's a few issues here. It's like, one, is it the government's job to protect me from myself? Is that really the government's job to protect me from myself? And if so, do we really live in a free society, or are we walking towards some kind of like uh, 1984 dystopia? So that's, that's one issue. And then there's the second thing. it's like 10 to 20 gun seats. So that means you have to, you have to disenfranchise 10 to 20 people. You have to subvert their rights just to save one person who arguably doesn't want to be here. Now, suicide's terrible. I don't want to make light of that. But the argument that we need the government to take away our rights to protect us from ourselves is is authoritarian doublespeak. Like it's is absolutely terrifying that anybody will subscribe to that ideology. I'm like, no, we do not. That is almost like antithetical to the entire American experience, why this Country exists in, in the first place,
0: but we see that true. everywhere. Though Raheem, we see it where people want the government to take over everything. They need laws to make sure that they have seatbelts on, right front and back. We need, you know, uh, the government to tell us what's good for our health. We need them to tell us what we need for education. We need them. So it's 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 pretty much been done on all fronts. And our first and second amendment, and since we're only focusing on second, let's focus on the second: uh, the right to bear arms. They're using this. Same argument, uh forfeit your right to that because we know better and we'll apply it and see if you're entitled to it, right? Um and there are a lot of people that subscribe to that. I mean I, and I, I don't know what to I,
4: say. It's scary. It is it is scary. But I, I also want to point out something that's even more interesting, which is there's now a lot of people are like, oh well, you don't want crazy people to have guns and and being impartial, we can hear that out. That's that's fine. But let's talk about what laws already exist in terms of mental health and preventing crazy people from acting out in violence. Uh, according to the Treatment Advocacy Center, uh, which basically focuses on and lobbies for mental health awareness, there are over forty-six states, included in, in and the District of Columbia, that has basically three. Uh, how do you say this? Uh, involuntary treatment laws where you can essentially commit somebody you believe is crazy now this has issues in and of itself but i think it's interesting to contrast that with the red flag which specifically target guns Uh, and the reason that's important is because most of these states already have a clause that like hey if you believe somebody is crazy or dangerous you can basically call the cops and they'll come in and do a psychiatric evaluation. They'll, they'll, you know, they'll bring in psychologists and all this kind of stuff and basically see if you actually pose a threat, ask you about your violent Facebook. like those laws already exist. But what they're saying is we want to take away your guns and make you basically pay expensive lawyers to lobby, to give them back. Maybe.
0: Yeah, yeah. if you have the right support and if you kind of admit you have a problem to go to doctors to validate that you're better now. And and that was what was alarming because I saw in that interview and what took me back is that, you know, it's as if this police officer can ex parte, right, which means no say, um, get this electronic warrant. And so he's judge, jury, and psychologist. And I think the host at some point said, well, you're, are you trained? Like, are you a psychologist to, like, determine?" determine?" Determine that they're a threat. No, but we get training. I mean, come on, seriously? So now we have our police officers that can make that decision on a whim, not to minimize, you know, what they're doing. And if I was a police officer like him, I'd be like, it would be better if everyone was disarmed because it would make my job easier. I have the weapons, they don't. I don't have to fear for it. Because remember, our our men in blue put themselves in the line of fire every day. There is a chance they will get shot at. But how do we remedy this? How do we remedy this wave of peripheral governments, right? Because it's not flying through, as we saw with the HR, HR eight amendment that they're trying to push through to catalog gun owners and to make it harder to own guns. Um, we have the peripheral governments. It's like 14 states now, Raheem, that are going for these red flag laws, and it's kind of like, like you said, we know best, and uh, you know, at your expense, you need to prove to us that you're not it's kind of like cps for guns it's kind of like you know when someone accidentally takes your kid because you let them in on just like a hunch or a malicious report and then you know you don't see your kids for four years and you have to prove you're a good parent you're like what did i ever do to be here and you're spending all this money it's the same thing with guns right um what do people do i mean how do they advocate because i feel like the nra even though they're vocal they're they're kind of you know not really doing much on this
4: well, one of the things that I've been trying to um, tell young conservatives and and libertarians also, I, I've been trying to get this through the head is like, we have to basically. There's two things that need to happen. One, pick up the pen. Uh, everybody should start writing. And, and and we have such a a wide or a huge media co- complex that is so slanted left that is is just. It's impossible to get a fair hearing. And the only way we can do that is to bolster conservative media. We have to start writing. Everybody has to write. And, and we need to start getting our opinions out there and promoting them. The reason I'm here on your show today um, is basically probably a lot like yourself. I, I basically was like, you know what? I'm, I'm sick of this and I can't be quiet anymore. And I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it. Maybe if it costs me my career, I'm talking about it. Even if it, if it, if it, if it, it strains some familiar relationships, if it, if it costs some friends, it's like, I'm going to talk about it. And it's like, I'm not going to shy away from this and I'm not going to be intimidated and, and I'm not going to let the mob scare me. And so that's one aspect of it. And secondly is, uh, One of the things is I've noticed a lot of our conservative lawmakers, when they retire, they take gigs at big law firms or some kind of advocacy groups or lobbying groups. I I really do believe that lawmakers um, and conservative intellectuals, they have to make a return back to the academy because that's where this indoctrination is starting it's starting in our classrooms. And that's where it's leaking out into every aspect of life. That's where it's got into corporate America. That's how it's getting into the media. That's how it's getting everywhere. So it's like we have no institutional representation or very little and two very, very, very core influencers, which is the U- the American mainstream media. And then and additionally, our, our universities, and even some cases, our K-12 through system. So conservatives have to go back to the the classroom and they have to get back into the media and they have to start taking this and it's not going to be easy but we we have to fight and claw our way back into these institutions before this indoctrination is almost irreversible in my opinion
0: yeah you know i have to agree with you on that because there's a lot of people that are like well the police know best i mean um you know bottom line is when they swear they swear to uphold the constitution and i don't see how a law like this red flag law does that because this deprives them. I understand if you're across someone who has a gun in their hand and want to shoot themselves, that you'd want to keep them safe, according to what the doctors would say, remove them from the situation and any threats. This is why they take your shoelaces away when you're on a 72-hour hold.
4: you know. Mm-hmm.
0: And this is why you would take away the guns. But for some say, – say you and I, Raheem, went out drinking, right, and we, and we started to have at it right? According to this red flag law, they could come to your house and my house because we were violent and take Mm -hmm. our guns because we got a bit drunk and we started to swing at each other. And that's an excuse. And then, you know, we're out there one, at least one year with no guns and maybe even more to try to prove, Hey, you know, I don't have a drinking problem. We just overdid it that day. It was a game, you know, bison or whatever. And we just swung at each other because we said something wrong. It's no big deal. And You know this, or estranged wife, ex-wife gets upset because you have a new girlfriend, and you know she makes a report saying that you're violent. So they come and take all your guns. I mean, that's that's to the extent that it goes to. Or if you put social media posts, um, you know, they can use that against you. It's it's pretty insane if you think about it.
4: it. It's an outright gun grab. That's what it it is. is. There's no way around that because, like we just established, that there's already processes that uh, that has nothing to do with denying anybody a property that handles suspected mental illness and violent people. We already have those processes, and they've been on the books for years. So they're not saying, hey, let's use these or "or let's uh, make sure people are aware of how these processes work. No, they're saying we need to take the guns, and there's a reason for that. And An um, AP analysis showed that uh, over 1,700 of these orders have already been taken have taken place in the last year, and they suspect that they're severely undercounting because they haven't even included California data, and a lot of states have incomplete data. So that's another issue. We need transparency. I want to know exactly how many of these guns are being taken under these under these laws and under these laws. I want to know how many of these cases are successful, how many of these people are actually deemed to be a threat after the fact, and how long it takes them to get their guns back. I want to know these things, and these states aren't even tracking it. And that's another big issue. That's how you know that it's there to subvert our, our constitutional rights. And it's a gun grab. It's cheaper than a buyback. You don't even have to give them the money. You just take the guns.
0: That is that is 100% true. Uh, someone just DM me. Yeah, the calling number is 215-TOP-TALK. That's 215 8255 if you have any questions. I'm going to burn through. I'm not going to put on any commercials um, just to have chit-chat with Raheem uninterrupted. Um, so... Uh, You know what what astounds me is that I can't believe that this was actually on a bill in North Dakota. Because for me, I'll tell you, when I first got here, I was kind of shocked where my daughter was like, oh, you know, a lot of kids were missing from school today because it's hunting season. So kids can literally take time off school, excused absence, to go hunting. So everyone leaves because they have guns and they go shooting, right? So how was it able to almost come to fruition in our state? Like... How do you think it was able to come to that point where the discussion was being had and people were literally sitting on board with this?
4: Well, I think one of the big issues that we saw was basically the um, the the NRA made a strategic mistake because on the national level, it did come out and support these red flag laws and now they're kind of starting to wipe, walk that back. So the NRA was a little unclear. That gave a lot. That gave a lot of um. How do you say this? Legislators uh, were put under the impression that, um, especially on the right, that they that they that this is an okay thing. Like this isn't going to upset the gun rights folks. That this isn't going to upset the gun lobby folks. And I've even heard stories of, especially in North Dakota, some legislators legislators just didn't actually read it. I'm not going to call them out by name. I'm not, I'm not here to shame anybody. Feel free to
0: send me that list. I'll call them out by name if you won't. (laughs) I will, because I was looking at it and I was thinking this isn't happening in North Dakota. Like I would expect this to kind of fly in, you know, Illinois or New York. I mean, even Colorado is a push, but you know, now that they've legalized marijuana, something that people don't know is that with these laws that you already set are in place that you could be excluded if you have a marijuana card from being a gun owner people don't seem to understand that so registering that you're taking you know that you're using cannabis for medication can actually exclude you from you know running a background check to getting these guns but i i was freaking out i was like oh my gosh this is really gonna happen and um you know people are like well we need more gun control i was thinking you know valentine's day me and my husband went out and we bought another handgun and he put it in his name And Raheem, my husband is a British citizen, a resident alien. He had to wait a whole day because he's a resident alien to go back and pick it up. So there's checks in place, checks that can tell you if the person has anything outstanding, if they shouldn't have a gun or anything. So then why are we doing this extra step where it's simply just like you said, just to be able to take your guns ex parte?
4: It's it's a gun grab, And I was on the uh, I was in Bismarck our state Capitol when this, when this bill was somewhat introduced, when it was revealed. And I, I'm going to be honest with you. I think the, I, I want to give a lot of credit to, to our uh, legislative leadership, uh, especially uh, Rep. Rick Becker uh, and even um uh, House Majority Leader, Leader Chet I They, they basically, they, they, there was a lot of questions asked. So it was put forth in the media as a bipartisan attempt. That was never true. Like, there was, like, two or three Republicans who are pretty moderate-ish, uh, arguably establishmentarians, that, that didn't know any better. They stuck their name on this bill. And then, basically, there was an instant backlash. Like, I, I, based, I met with some lawmakers about this uh, on behalf of the North Dakota Young Republicans. I was like, yo, we cannot, we cannot let this happen. and Because it's not just about gun rights. What we're seeing is, and this, this, this became clear even during the Kavanaugh hearings, and I, I guess you know whoever gets tired of invoking Kavanaugh, but nonetheless, we're seeing this presumption of guilt, and it's, and it's starting to become a legal norm. It's becoming how people think, like people are guilty of something, even when we have no evidence of such. And it's terrifying. And they're applying it to guns. They're applying it. They're applying it to petty disputes. They're basically applying it to everything. It's not just the Me Too movement. It's everything. And that's how. That's how it's. That's basically where we're coming to in this country. So we're seeing a lot of our legal norms and common law just being basically almost set on fire. So so it's not just about the Second Amendment. That's another reason that people who may be moderate on guns. Should also be very, very wary of these laws because this, like, this has implications well past guns, and we see that even with civil asset forfeiture. This is, I would argue, this is civil asset asset forfeiture for guns.
0: <laughs> no, like, oh, yeah, we- no, I agree. Yes, exactly. I, I, I think I, I had a conversation with someone a couple of days ago about that, and I was like, it's kind of like taking your car, you know, because, you know, it's, it is, it is your asset. And like you said, due process has been gone out the window, specifically due process for conservatives or people that people that have big mouths, right? There's no due process for them anymore. Um, you know, talking mainstream, but like you said, exactly. There's always this presumption of guilt and even, uh, it was, it was kind of inferred to on that, um, debate that was being done well debate interview i guess with um berg and uh the chief of police where it's like so you're just going to assume that you know whatever someone tells you about social media or an estranged ex-wife or some stranger on the street is true and you're just going to assume that it's true and you're going to get a warrant and assume that it's true and then they have to go to court to prove it's not true how is that fair um i have someone on the line um who is calling in to ask questions or possibly comment uh caller welcome to the tory sesh show um you could tell us what state you're calling from and your name if you like can you hear me yes we can hear you
2: yeah this is michael from north dakota
0: hi how michael? are you guys doing oh i'm doing great Raheem, we have michael from north dakota
4: how's it going mike
2: Great. Hey, I've been involved in politics here in the uh, state for a long time, and a lot of the things that you're saying is true. Um, matter of fact, all the things. One of the problems that I see when the legislators get together, they're running on emotion, um, and that's what I see within the last few years is people are letting their emotions dictate what's the problem. I think one of the biggest problems have been with legislators and everyone in there forgetting the basics, the, the Constitution. When you go back to what the Constitution states, your first, second, third, all of them, whatever you use that as your default, you're going to vote what's right. And what Tory was saying um, in the first hour, how can people um, advocate the loss of our murder of kids, that's the moral thing. So when you lose the moral, you lose what you're, what this country was founded on, those are why you see decisions made not just in Bismarck, but in the federal government with these red state laws, because they know if they don't care about babies or older people, they're really not going to care about you. But the only way they can do that is to remove your guns. And the laws, the Constitution, I was listening to – Pelosi yesterday, as she's talking about the impeaching the president, saying that you know it's a constitution. I said if you really followed the Constitution, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be standing in front of doing a press conference saying what you're saying. People use the Constitution or believe it to right the way they want to, but they need to get back to what it really means. Get back to like you're the average person and conservative they need to really understand what is the bill of rights? What is the constitution? You know, are they really conservative? You know, um, Tory mentioned it last week. We're a red state. That's really kind of turning blue because no one really wants to stand up and say what the truth is. To the t- call them in the carpet. And I praise the Lord for you, Tory, because you will call them out. And that what is need to be done is to call these individuals out. Are you saying This is what you believe and what you stand on and not run in your emotions because they're supposed to run and set laws based on laws, not emotions.
0: That's true. And, you know, just like – We've witnessed with Brick Becker when he came to the floor and talked about it. I noticed it in uh, Colorado as well. They were calling them, you know, to what it is, what they were doing. I mean, you know, how did you see the, you know, the testimony, I would say, in regards to pro taking away your guns and against, like, how did you view that Raheem? Really? Like in, in the state, in, in, in the state of North Dakota, how you saw it, which is a red state because Colorado's you know, a fruity state, but they still had really good arguments, um, you know, against and still feel weak on it. I mean, you know, these are two polarly, they were totally different states, right? How did you see our conservative state here in North Dakota, um, tackle the issue of chipping away at our right to bear arms? How did you see it?
4: One of the things about living in North Dakota, which is phenomenal, because I'm not originally from North Dakota, I came here from Florida, and I and I love the state uh, as an adopted son. Um, I I I do believe community activism played a role here. I, I believe there was a very solid push to uh for people to contact our legislators and activation of our of our uh, gun rights lobby that basically was successful, and that's a great thing because one of the things about North Dakota being such a small state in terms of population is it is is not too hard to be heard, which is another reason I always emphasize to people. I'm like, don't, don't stand, don't sit quiet. Don't, don't be idle. But I want to get back to something Michael said, which he but where you said the constitution's value needs to be basically, uh, they need to be held sacrosanct. and, And our constitutional values and norms should be, and you're absolutely right about that, Michael. I can't, I can't attest to that enough, but what we need to understand with the other side, and this even applies to some establishmentarian Republicans, is that they see constitutional restraints as a problem. You see this around the country. There's a mm-hmm. push to get rid of the electoral college. There's... um there's there's basically they there's people who want to abolish the Senate because it makes states like North Dakota too popular or powerful they're they're annoyed they can't just get rid of the Second Amendment and the amendment process is too hard they see they they want a pure democracy instead of a representative constitutional republic, which is what we have like there's a huge issue where people just basically see the Constitution itself as an antiquated document, so you saying oh, well, we need to keep the Constitution. In their ears, all they're hearing is, I love the Bible or something. Like, it's, it's, it's very weird and it's disturbing. And the reason that's like that is because we've allowed our schools to indoctrinate entire generations. And that's gonna take a while to reverse because that's true. conservatives and, and American-loving patriots, we need to get back into the media and we need to claw our way in. And that means even traditional legacy media outlets and also the classroom. Because our kids aren't learning this the proper way. They're not. And, that's, and it's scary. That's why they look at gun rights as disposable. That's why they look at freedom of speech in terms of, oh, well, some speech is too harmful. I'm a black man. And I will sit here and debate the, the grandmaster of the Ku Klux Klan because I believe my ideas are superior. And I feel like I can expose him any day of the week. That's what freedom of speech is about in a free society. But a lot of people don't understand that. They think you have to be protected from bad ideas, bad people, and the gun laws. All of this all comes to this, this whole, this whole, uh, this i this this ideology and worldview that you see on the left, and it's disturbing. It's it's disturbing in every single way. We've gone away from equality under the law, and. Instead, we have preferred identity groups in which we rewrite policy to cater to, which is, it's absurd. That's not the basis of our country. And the left has gone so far, so far and so far astray that even Karl Marx wouldn't recognize what they are doing. Even MLK couldn't put his name on some of these things. It's ridiculous.
0: MLK, I think, was a Republican. But what Michael said that was great was, you know, if they don't have morals, in regards to their uh, what they support and stand for, why would we expect them, and like you said, support the Constitution, which they see as antiquated? You know, when someone says, well, I deserve due process or I deserve to be presumed innocent before I'm lynched, it's kind of like uh, no you don't we have a say it's the court of public opinion or what we say and then you can figure it out. Um uh, Michael like from from being a person from North Dakota because like uh, like Rahim I'm not from here I just came here. And I like it because yes you do you do have a voice and I agree that our state may be unlike other states that have you know failed to stop these red flag laws from being implemented uh there was very good networking within conservatives and you i would expect that though because this is a huge gun owning you know state people buy guns all the time we sell them online you know uh you know your buddy we go hunting so i would expect it but michael as being a, a from north dakota if you're like a resident that was raised here how how do you see it i mean has it changed just like raheem said i think he's he's money's right on it kids And youth have been shifted and changed. They're implementing these ideologies that the state knows best um, in our uh, protection. Like I said before, 9-11 was the biggest privacy grab ever. Everyone forfeited their right to privacy in the name of security. So now we're having... Everyone forfeit your gun rights in the name of, oh, there might be a school shooting or, oh, someone might commit suicide. Like Raheem said, every 20 guns we confiscate, we save one. Um, And if that was true, then, like he said, they'd be tracking all these numbers. Tell me how you see your state that was, you know, that was a really hard push for this. Like they were on TV. Police were backing it. What do you think about it?
2: Well, I came here in 1994 over in Germany being military. Um, like you were saying when I got here, there was a pickup uh for every pickup truck there was a rifle in the back window. They shut down school for a day or two and went hunting. That was a normal thing here. So that's what I thought was really nice about the state. But what I saw and especially over the last couple of weeks, and I mentioned it before, um, is that the Democrats are losing. They, like Nancy Pelosi said, "Hey, if there's a Democratic president that come on, we're going to take all the guns. Well, what's your plan B? Well, let's start working at state level and see if we can start taking guns at state level. I think what's happening right now, and they know it, I think there's Democrats and Republicans who are having assurance that if they don't vote that way, things are going to come out about them and they're going to have to vote trying to take weapons. Why? Because the dirt they may have on them. Because of that, I don't think they're really looking out for the interests of you and me. But Raheem said something. We as individuals, especially as conservatives, we work. We we are doing a lot of different things. We need to really step it up, work together as one, move forward and fix this. You're going to have opposition, no matter what, but it works a lot better when you're in a group of individuals working together for a common goal and which is the constitution right to bear on free speech. We need to be more active in that because if we don't overnight we can lose our freedom, even in North Dakota, a state I love I I, I love North Dakota. Way more. I've been and lived in California. I lived on the East Coast. I like North Dakota way better. Um, but that can become short term too, where your freedom. You know, I can't imagine police officers just coming in because of um, I've been accused of something, and I've been there before, uh, being accused of something, and you have to prove yourself innocent. That is not an easy thing. Uh, especially being a minority. That is not an easy thing because you're already guilty by who you are. So you're already behind the power curve. And then like you were saying, um, with, uh, you have to go to psychiatrists. Believe me, that is a stigma. That is something that if you have to go see a psychologist, then there was an issue. (laughs) You believe I work for uh, certain organizations here. Mm -hmm. That is an issue. Even though you fill in the dots, You're already stereotyped.
0: Yeah, because it's kind of like you're, you're admitting. But you know what I saw? I didn't see a lot of activity from the NRA in our state. And considering that, you know, this state here has the majority gun owners, and this is why I wanted to showcase North Dakota, because my listeners are from all over the world. This is the most gun-tooting state you'll find. You think you think Texas and Cowboys, you got to be in North Dakota. Um, you know, people bun- buy gun safes. They're being sold in Walmart like crazy. Everybody has guns here. So for this to almost pass or actually just even be discussed is enough for me, right, to, to, to startle me, is a big deal. And I feel like the NRA is not being active in the states that they should be most active um, that have the most supporters. I mean – You know, like you said, we have to be active. We have to write. I say that all the time. I tell people, get off Twitter. If you're going to be on Twitter, share some message, congest the social media channels, but write the letters, send the email, you know, send the facts, do whatever, talk to people. But, you know, do you think that, um, you know, the NRA should do better outreach? I felt like they let me down. I'm an NRA member. They
2: do, but you know what? No one takes better care of yourself than you. In other words... Who's going to take care of North Dakota residents better than a North Dakota resident? We have to be more proactive. That's what I'm saying. Even though the NRA has its purpose, if if we have a red flag and how does that affect the NRA? Really? Nothing. But it affects us. We have to be more involved. We have to be a larger voice. Yes, it would be nice the NRA would help in society uh, work with us, but it's really down to us as individuals here in North Dakota to really make that stand. We have to be vocal.
0: Raheem, did you feel that the NRA fell flat for us here when this was happening? Uh,
4: after after it was very clear that there was a revolt going on with gun ownerships, it's to my understanding the local NRA did come out against it, if I'm not mistaken. But they didn't do much besides that. I would definitely say, arguably... Uh, my organization, the Young Republicans, probably had more of us had more of an influence on that because we were writing, we were uh, testifying, we were we were calling and basically pulling out legislators aside and talking about this. And the most, I will say, easily in my opinion, the safest guard in the in the North Dakota legislature in terms of our constitutional rights, our freedoms, and individual liberty, liberties is the Bastiat Caucus. Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. These are the guys that honestly uh, view the Constitution the way we do. These, these are your friends, and they're, they're, they're led by Rick Becker, but there's Luke Simons. I, I really can't name them all. We have uh, Senator Ole Larson, um, or State Senator Ole Larson. Like, there's, 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 a, there's, a, there's a, they're a growing bunch, and those are some of the ones that uh, play a very key role in killing some of these more ridiculous uh, bills such as our such as red flag law but what we need to we also need to be concerned about even when these do get adapted outside of North Dakota because there's always some legal precedent and the reason that is is because the Supreme Court is generally hesitant to strike down laws that were in place by state legislatures and especially a lot by the end of this by the end of this uh, how do you say this session most states are in their uh, legislative sessions around the country right now. So so by the end of this, there could, that list, it crawled from 5 to 14 after the Parkland shooting. By right. the end of these sessions that we're seeing now, this is up for debate in Minnesota, Colorado, oh. like all over the country. It could easily cross 20 to 25. And once that gets there, this becomes a serious constitutional problem because it the is somewhat yeah. self it's almost self legitimizing you see what I'm saying,
0: right well, what and would you suggest issue? to my listeners? I have listeners in Illinois, and you know in Illinois, they have like no rights to guns and they get murdered all the time, and you know they have the highest uh death by gun when in a state where they have no guns. What would you suggest? I mean, you guys were very active you you know the young Republicans were so active in the state um Lots of voices were heard. What would you suggest? Um, you know, because like you said, we have the Mustach Caucus, and I subscribe to that too. I, I am, I love what Luke Simmons is doing. Rick Becker, I love. You know, so we have people that are not scared to put their voices out there and say, "No, this is how it needs to be done." Constitution first. This is how it was meant to be. We're not going to change it. How do you tell people from other states that are listening? Because if we're in this super red state and have a problem, how do we tell people from other states? And I'd like your uh, response. Um, And I think I have my friend from Illinois on the line that wants to ask you a question. Um, Go ahead, Raheem. What would you suggest to them to do?
4: Well, the first thing is we need to boost those gun ownership numbers. Yes, the laws are annoying. And they're, they're very restrictive. But the more people that understand guns, because one of the things I've seen, and especially like in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, you people upheld gun laws that make absolutely no sense fundamentally, like uh, assault rifle bans. There's no real set definition. Every state's just winging it and making up crap like pistol grips are lethal. It makes no sense. But the thing is, these judges and the citizens just don't understand what any of it means they don't know guns and because they do not know guns they generally it's like oh assault rifles yeah those crazy machine guns you see in action movies yeah those should be banned and it's like that's not what they mean (laughs) so one of it's an an education part is like part of that is like actually like we need to get basically more people into gun culture and into responsible gun culture at that not not that rap video hip-hop gun culture i love rap music as much as i love action movies but is 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 we there's a difference between ignorant gun culture and responsible gun ownership and we need to we need to grow those numbers and teach our children the importance of the second amendment before it's a forgotten amendment
0: excellent thank you and caller you're on the line with us would you like to tell us what state you're calling from and your name if you like
3: uh, Chicagoland.
0: Oh, yeah. So I was I was right. How are you? Um, Welcome to the Tory show. I have Raheem. So you've been listening to us talking, taking the example of the reddest state that someone could think about when it comes to guns. What is your take on these red flag laws?
3: Well, there's a lot to say and very little time here to say it, because what we need to do is say things and mention things that are factual, that are literally going on, what's being said. On to incite critical thinking in this audience and many others. Okay, uh, Rahim, Rahim was correct. They cannot do one big swoop and knock out that Second Amendment. They've been doing it incrementally, you know, before Obama, before the Clintons, before, the, you know, just on, they've been doing it for decades, okay, trying to get rid of whatever. They're making it so difficult not just to obtain a firearm, but to retain your firearm, and that's where such uh, craziness with this red flag laws comes about where basically no knock warrants, you know, a, a false accusation, whether it be real or not or whatever, just, just someone has to make an accusation blindly, anonymously, and it's a no knock warrant on your door, and confiscate every weapon in your house, including your kid's Nerf gun. So it, it's ridiculousness. And you know, and Tori, we spoke last week, this started this, this new red flag uh, revolution here started in Broward County on February 14th. That was the seed that was planted that day. And as Raheem mentioned, these are those 50-50 uh, laws, those Baker Act laws that they, they had in Florida. And that Sheriff Scott Israel came out and he says, we need stronger enforcement on Baker Act laws. And that evolved into this red flag law. It went all the way through Attorney Pan Bondi, all the way up to Governor Rick Scott. And Donald Trump enforces this. Donald Trump supports this. On February 28th, 2017, he sat down with Dianne Feinstein and a bunch of the, quote-unquote, lawmakers, and he said out of his mouth, to heck with due process, Uh, uh, confiscate the firearms first and deal with due process later. And that's exactly what they're doing. He supports it. He planted the seed next to everything else, and that's what's going on. 17 states and counting. Go ahead.
0: Well, don't you think that Donald Trump said that just to gaslight because— I haven't seen any action that he's taken, except for the bump stocks, of course. And, you know, that was dumb, too. I don't know why we took it away. But it was something that he traded off, and he shouldn't have traded off anything, in my opinion, right, um, well, for the, for the sake the of it. The thing about the bump
3: stocks, no, no one even cares about the bump stocks. It's such a useless little piece of thing, and it wasn't even used in the, the whole Las Vegas charade. What it does is it sets up that they can take other accessories away, and they already have uh, laws being placed where they're taking away, like you can't have a certain trigger. You can't have a a folding stock on your gun. You can't have a bunch of things. That's what that leads into. It's not the bump stock itself. It's what it expands to. Go ahead. Sorry.
0: Raheem, what do you think about that comment? Because I, I I agree that Broward County has led this effort. We know they have everything that's that comes out of Broward County is corrupt. You know, um, Roger Stone was you know ambushed in you know in his house with like 50 million SWAT teams for a process crime, and you know Broward County knew about it because the FBI never enters jurisdiction without it and whistled it to CNN. They're like the most corrupt area ever. Everything that happens, happens there. And nobody says, why is it happening there again? What is your thought on that? I mean, I've always been saying small changes over time yield huge results. And like the caller saying, they've been doing this forever. Um, What do you think Um, should be the next step?
4: I I completely agree. And the first thing is, I, I do love the fact that that you you are brave enough to call out Donald Trump because a lot of people on the right, it's almost a taboo thing to do, but when he's right, he's right. When he's wrong, he's wrong. It's that simple. And he's wrong. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, so my thing is I do support the president in general, but not on this, not on this particular issue. I believe he has been a little too soft. I believe that also explains why the NRA has been a little too soft on this too. Um, I, I, I agree with Michael. Uh, this this is one of those things where it's like you have to wake people up that's what worked in north dakota is like waking people up and when i say waking people up like there were backroom talks of primary challenges like that happened that happens like when like north dakotans wake up and it's like don't be afraid to do that like that was one of the better things that the tea party brought us back in those uh those um uh, early days back in 2010 2011 and 2012 when the tea party was kind of coming into its own was it was like, Hey, we're going to get rid of these guys who thinks it's okay to go to DC or go to our state capitals and basically sell out on our values. The first, the first chance they get, because that's not what we want. That's not what we voted for. So I think Republicans need to get wise about that. And secondly, I think Republicans need to get um wise about recruiting in this, like, uh, these ideas aren't ideas that should be held in terms of like, oh, well, these are white male identity politics. That's what the left would like to call it. No, it's not. These are unifying American principles. So like as far as Chicagoland, what we see here is, um, I was looking at FBI statistics. Black people, for example, make up 13% of the population. And we have, and most of these gun crimes or uh, gun possession charges are forty percent are basically black people like make up forty percent of all weapon possession charge. That's just having a gun. That's not just selling crack. That's not shooting or murdering somebody. That's just having a gun. And this is a country where we say we value the Second Amendment. And it's like, so what is this? That's a huge. That's a huge issue in terms of criminal justice reform or prison overcrowding. We 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 aren't. We're not selling our ideas to all of our constituents It's like this like the second amendment is an american right and I, I want mexicans fighting for the second amendment i want black people fighting for the second amendment i want women fighting for the second amendment i want every single b- person on this country fighting for the second amendment so like one of the bizarre things the democratic party has done is even though gun control has an old a, Grossly racist history. They've, they've also gone into Black communities and says, hey, we're taking your guns away to keep you safe from each other. And it's been a disaster in Chicago. It was a disaster in Baltimore. It was a disaster everywhere it's been tried. So that's one of the things we have to do. We have to go in there. And the NRA also should play a huge role in this, by the way. They should be going into these communities and teaching responsible gun ownership. And, and we need to start tearing around these stereotypes in our, in our minority communities, in our urban communities in which we basically tell people that that uh the second amendment is a white right it's not true and it shouldn't be treated that way and law enforcement also needs this training Raheen, so, can i
3: interject here go ahead you know the the highest crime rates the highest firearm crime rates are in all the the, the cities with the strictest gun laws that is a fact That's that is true to contribute to what you're saying
4: Absolutely. And that's and that's what I'm well, saying. Like the there's a there's a huge gap in education here because we don't we don't teach there's and this goes back to something uh Tori brought up earlier in the show about like basically the value of life. We don't we don't teach the value of life anymore. That's that's is is an afterthought. That's why inf- inf- infanticide is uh basically catching on as a new Vogue thing and uh and uh and, and left that's a great life.
3: point they want they want to introduce infanticide but yet they're concerned about somebody taking their own life with a firearm so which are they concerned about life or that they want to take away life see it's they're totally again critical thinking listen to what they're saying they oppose they they oppose their own talk they'll say one thing out of the right side and the next thing on the left side that's
0: a lot you know, before we run out of
3: time here Go ahead. I was just
0: going to say that's 100 percent true. They call our our president a racist. Right. Yet. What do we have yesterday? Ava, hot black woman claiming that President Trump tried to kiss her. Like, which one is it? Is he racist or is he trying to kiss black women? Like, which one is it? People people don't (laughs) don't see the facts. I mean, it's ridiculous what they're saying. Like, oh, yeah, we can kill babies. But we need guns to protect from killing our children. And it's like, but you want to kill kids anyway. Uh, go ahead.
3: Suicide. Um, yeah. Suicide by a firearm is just, you know, it's a very rare occasion. And you, generally it's men that do it and they, they take themselves out to some desolate area and do it privately. You know, uh, there's, a lot, there's a lot more coincide than there is suicide as far as this goes. You know, if they want to get rid of suicide, they got to stop drugging the children. they got to stop uh, uh, mind-washing with all this, this indoctrination, making kids confused, or they're taking their own lives. you we got, got such a suicide rate for young children taking their own lives because they're confusing the heck out of them through social media and the school system and all the CNN and MSNBC indoctrination, the confusion. Uh, then you got your, your, your military vets coming back from overseas, and they're taking their own lives at, at, at rapid rates because of the drugs and the confusion and all they have to deal with and going back to these 50 50s you know or you're saying with the, the marijuana card whatever yeah after you have a marijuana card for a year they're going to confiscate your weapon that's like hawaii and some other places that are already doing this and they're passing it for everybody but then the people that come back from the, the war their fight overseas and so on and they say oh i have ptsd well if you have ptsd well then you can't have a weapon a firearm you're right so you can't protect yourself on top of this you're right so the, you know it's just it, it, it's it's lunacy
0: Go ahead. Um, uh, no Thank you very much for calling. We have like 30 seconds, Raheem. I want you to tell my audience where they can find you or follow you. And, um, you know what the next steps are in 30 seconds. I can't believe time went by so quick.
4: Uh, my name is Raheem Williams. As you know, you can Google that. I usually, uh, I can be found on LinkedIn. I'm all over Facebook. Uh, Join, join the uh, young Republicans, join the North Dakota young Republicans, basically get involved in liberty based organizations, Young Americans for Liberty, all of these organizations that basically uh, value individual rights and freedoms It's it's time for and and if you're an adult and you have children, you need to push them into these organizations, you need to say, hey, go to a meeting, tell me what you think about it. You need to start guiding. If you have grandchildren, you need to start guiding them towards these organizations and and it's not forcing them into it, but just say, hey, go to a meeting. Tell me what you think about it. Go hear these people out, because we need to get back to teaching Americanism and American values into this country and being proud of them is also something we need to get back to.
0: Thank you so much, Raheem, for being on the Tory Sess Show. Everyone, stay uh, tomorrow, same time, pla- same place, 12 to 2 Eastern, and we'll have our Q series tomorrow. Have a wonderful and blessed day from all of us here at Red State.